Welcome back to Doom Patrol Radio, WDPR 96.3, your favorite trans-dimensional radio station. Today's broadcast is brought to you by the Vectra Corporation, where the message is the meat. Use promo code DANNY to submit your personal information to our collections agency and receive 5% off your next order. And don't forget, you too can become a sellout here on Doom Patrol Radio. Welcome back, nobody, to your favorite Doom Patrol Radio podcast, this side of the moving pictures. My name is Mark. And my name is Nathan. And today we're talking about the third episode of season four for Doom Patrol titled nostalgia patrol um it seems like they're keeping these episodes kind of secret this time on what what they're going to be about and what the title's going to be what do you mean um, as opposed to just like the blatant like just get dead giveaway of what the episode title was you know well yeah, so I mean, maybe that's just maybe that's a reflection on us uh, and our powers of inferring research. So normally they have a weekly promo that comes out for the upcoming episode of Doom Patrol. It goes up on YouTube, on like their HBO Max YouTube channel or whatever. And it talks about what the episode's going to be about. And I know there was like a this season on Doom Patrol where it's like a more of a a season trailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the previous seasons, they used to do promos of what the upcoming episode was going to be about and a title and all that stuff and then it seems like this one and um yeah this one and all the other ones like the titles aren't so much oh yeah no even the first two episodes of the season no one really knew what the episode titles were um some of the descriptions so i mean some promotional images have come out but nothing that says this coming episode is going to be this one right uh, we've got our first episode promo after the credits of this episode, which will be um, having some some interesting characters. It, it, it got me really excited. Once this episode finished for today um, and I saw the sneak preview for the next episode, I got really excited. But let me save that for now. I know, right? Getting um, ahead of yourself. We'll pump the brakes, yeah. baby. And you know what? It's not like we were getting like a Lego set drop of like, you know, the last battle or something, you know? So... We're still keeping things secret. It's I'm just I'm saying, like you don't get like action figure kind of like giveaways or like promotion. You were said promotional, and that my mind immediately went to like marketing things. It's like, what are the yeah. things that are like dead giveaways <laughs> for stuff like this that you know kind of ruin that? Other than episode titles or episode descriptions or what have you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Last season we got Dada Patrol, and it was like oh, they're doing it, like, that's a dead giveaway because we know what that is, you know? But it was completely different than what we knew, you know? It was a whole new data. Yeah, a, da- a, whole, a, great new, new a whole new data. That's, Which put on t-shirt. reminds me, thinking back on episode titles. So when we talked about uh, season four, episode one's title, which was Doom Patrol, and it was like, oh, it is... The Doom Patrol, right? But there was a Doom Patrol episode title before in season one when it was called Doom Patrol Patrol. Remember that yeah. one with Mento and you know Joshua Clay and all them? 
Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I was like, oh, I, they did do that. So the logic of that episode title from season one, I was thinking, so that episode was about the Doom Patrol. So if I take that same formula and I think about season four, episode one again, yes, it, it's like a double entendre. It's like, yes, it's talking about Doom Patrol, but it could just be talking about Doom or like the apocalypse, right? Because it's oh, the okay. Apocalypse. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. All right, all right, all it, right. So now they're like they are the okay. I get you. I get you. The beginning of their doom patrolling. Yeah, it's like That's doom it. patrol. Yeah, it's, it's it, then it really goes back to formula. It goes to, back to what that team name is all about, which is interesting to think about. But anyways, we're talking about nostalgia patrol written by Tanya Steele, who also did Sex Patrol and Wax Patrol, which were some really great episodes. And then also directed by Kristen Window. And Kristen Window did um, Dada Patrol, <laughs> drawing a blank there. She also directed Space Patrol, which was a really great Dorothy episode, uh, and, and Cliff Steele where they're in, in, on the moon. And it was like one of those fantastic sets I always remember the way that that episode looked. And there are some parallels between those episodes directed and then the episode we see today. Um, when I saw Kristen Wendell's name, I was thinking about Dada Patrol. I was thinking about Shelley Byron, uh, the character of the fog. And I was thinking like, Oh, you know, interesting choice for that, for that director. I wonder if, you know, I always think, why did they choose that director? And sure enough, like there is a sisterhood of Dada reference or cameo, if you want to call it that, in this episode. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I wasn't really expecting it, but I'm also glad to, to see uh, kind of like a nod to the sisterhood in this episode. So, Nathan, what did you think of Nostalgia Patrol? It was a, it was a good episode. Kind of uh, felt a little filler-y to me, but not in a bad way. It was still extremely entertaining, and it was uh, kind of like a catch-up episode to me uh c-a-t-c-h-u-p um not 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 cat's up you know it's a ketchup episode yeah i get you i get you okay but uh in a sense of not ketchup but kind of like ketchup to to where the world is at um still with being in the world of doom patrol you know everything else still exists outside this manor and a buttpocalypse you know so uh, it kind of like breaks that whole mold of what we just saw the past two episodes of just that impending butt apocalypse and, and, and that whole deal with the Doom Patrol dealing with their own leadership issues. Um, this one, we kind of get a little bit more personal um, and uh, it kind of just opens the door for a lot more shit to hit the fan in the future, if, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it seemed like this episode, it takes a step away from what we think the main storyline, which is going to be, is like avoiding cataclysm in the future. And it takes this kind of one issue run, kind of like the butterfly, um, you know, and yeah. it's, it is, it's it's based on like one-offs in, in Doom Patrol, which we'll get to, but it has that kind of isolated episode feeling, but it's also, you know, the essence of what this episode goes on about is it's pretty interesting. I like to see 
Victor Stone try to continue to assimilate back into um, the world that he wants to be a part of. It's interesting seeing the Doom Patrol go on a wacky adventure that feels kind of isolated, but and it feels like the strange adventures. You know, yeah. like there's something about it that feels classic. Yeah, so it's for sure. nice to go back to that. Um, and it's good to see a little uh, look into uh, just different iterations of characters that you know existed in the 50s and 60s and kind of like repurpose them and give them a better meaning uh if you will um mm-hmm. in relation to the doom patrol and and just you know personal struggle and the struggle of these people um but yeah it was really fun uh i loved seeing all of this classic rita far movies and and all of the things that happened in this uh episode it was definitely a, you know an, a more of a of a look into the team figuring out why Rita or wh- why she's important to everybody or why they you know she needs to see that she is just as important as everybody else and everybody loves each other they're all a family and everything um so it was kind of a little bit uh i don't know i i liked it for that reason Rita was feeling yeah. really down she was feeling down for the past two episodes and and it you know kind of kind of bum- bumming me out so it's it's good to see that she has this uh big epiphany of of you know knowing a place and and just feeling at home with everybody that's really kind of yeah. like what i enjoy it was seeing. really nice yeah I, I love just seeing that aspect of these characters just knowing that you all fit together and that that's mm-hmm. where you belong like i know you're questioning your purpose and everybody's questioning your purpose and everything and but like that yeah, you need to. You can question your purpose all you want, but like at least you're doing it in the comfort of your family. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. The, what I I really like the concept for this episode. You know, it it, it the idea of what adventure is this Doom Patrol going to go on, and taking it to you're going into a movie, you're going into a Rita Far picture. Um, we're gonna go through all these different eras of, of television and we're going to, we're going to design not only the way that we edit the the show itself, but also the mise-en-scene of each scene that they're going to be in for these movies. How do we capture that aesthetic? Um, how do we dress up the characters that they're in this moment? How do we play around with it? So it's not just, Oh, we are recapturing that, that time period and, and it just feeling like a period piece, but also, being a little bit more tongue in cheek, self aware of of what we're in, what we're dealing with, how silly is this? Why are we still scared? It's things like that that like play into itself, where it still has a Doom Patrol humor and twist, but it's also you kind of fall in love with it, and you're like, yeah, this looks cool, or like aesthetically, I enjoy how you designed each room and each wardrobe for this different time period. There's a lot going on with this episode. Um, design-wise and conceptually that I that I really do enjoy about it. Um, and another thing that I like to, to think about is, uh, it's a bit of a spoiler, but Cyborg or Victor Stone, I, I'm trying to call him Victor Stone because that's what he wants to be referred to as, um, it, he, he's trying to reconcile with his, his friends, he's meeting up with his friends, 
um, which is guest starring uh, Elijah J. Reed as Derek, and then he has his other two friends, Marcus and Calvin. Um, Calvin, he refers to as just nicknamed C, the letter C. And so he's he's trying to regroup with them, not just in the moment, but as a friend, as as part of his family. You know, he's trying to dissociate so much from from Doom Patrol. It's what he's telling himself. And he's trying to reconnect with these people that he's lost uh, connection with. And something that's said during this this conflict that he has with them, and notably Derek, his his best friend, is that time has moved on and they are different people than what they used to be. And I bring this up now because it's a good way to think about this episode where, yes, we're doing a one episode like Doom Patrol going to some crazy wacky adventure, but they're different people now. You know, Larry Trainer is, is without Keeg. Um, crazy Jane is, is, is having feelings for herself and not for Kay Chalice. The rest of the underground is, is disconnected from her as well. Rita Farr is, is still battling who she is, but has come farther and in, is in a different place than normal. So the Doom Patrol has evolved as a whole and, and, and individually as well. And yet they're still having to do these adventures. So the chemistry is different a little bit. It's nice to see uh, an episode where Cliff Steele and Crazy Jane are buddies yeah. or, or, or supporting characters for each other in an episode. I feel like it's been a while since we've seen that. But it's a classic feeling that I, that I gravitate towards, too. It's, I mean, it doesn't go without saying that Larry and Rita still have their own bonding moments here. Um, I don't think they're on screen together for it, but it's Larry, you know, Larry actually saying, he's my best friend. Like, you don't know anything about this. Like, get out. I'm trying to save her and, you know, do whatever I can. The selfless act that he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just good. It's, it's great to see that combination. You know, we love that whole combination. Um, yeah. The Victor stuff was, was interesting to me. We'll, we'll get there when we get there, I guess a little, a little bit later on. Um, it was it was interesting is is the very good word for it. It's something that I've never really cared to think about. Um, the idea of this Victor trying to find normalcy. I think that's what he was doing with with the trying to reconnect with his old friend group. I don't blame him. I'm not saying he's in the wrong or anything, but I think it's like you know I don't know. His friends were kind of seeing right through him, and I was like, yeah, you kind of you're kind of right though, like. I mean, you're probably a great guy and a great friend, Vic, but like read the room, you know, and then it it isn't all about you, you know, but it's that's like a growing thing that I've not really seen a cyborg go through or, you know, Victor Stone go through. Yeah. Even even out of like a Teen Titans thing, you know, because it's it's just Teen Titans. Yeah. And I'm 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 happy to to talk about it now, because since we're on the topic of, of, of Victor Stone Okay. Uh, we might as well talk about what, what his character goes through in this episode, and then we can get into some of the cool stuff about the wacky Doom Patrol, because people are going to w- want to listen to that anyway. That's true. We'll but, get the normal stuff But I think it's important, because we talked about this, um, you know, when, when Vic was dating, um, or I don't know, dating, but Ronnie from, from season three and season two, um, is that there's 
there's more to it than Vic Stone was a superhero um, or I guess saw himself as a superhero. So there's always been like this entitlement, this privilege that, that Victor Stone has. And I think it continues on with, with his friends and his friends see that having been disconnected for, um, from him for, for years and possibly a decade. And it's, it's that that's disconnecting them. And it, it's, I see both sides of it. It hurts because you want to get a second chance to reconnect with a friend. So you've kind of done things on your own. Maybe they were selfish, but at the same time, you're, you're trying now, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to be, it's like, yes, I guess it's more of a question. Can you apologize for what you've done in the past? I mean, it's in the past. Will they forgive you and, and let you try again now? It's, it's so, it's such a strange, uh, I don't know who I'm speaking for or what point of view <laughs> I'm speaking from, but it, it's, uh. it's hard. It's hard because it's like, I can put myself in Victor's shoes and be like, please give me a second chance. Like, please, like I, I know what happened then. There's no fixing it. You're admitting it. I'm admitting it. There's nothing that can be fixed. But what about now? Like, can we do better now? And I think you should be allowed to. But again, I guess trust is hard when, especially once you've lost it. And I guess that's maybe the uh, the underground avenue uh, word of the day in this episode is trust. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, it's tough. It is. It's tough. It's just you know you've you're I you know I uh, the right thing is supposed to be forgiveness, right? Right. That's a question. <laughs> I um, yeah. I don't know. I we'll see. Say. We'll see what plays out of it. It may be. I don't. I I feel like, you know, Victor's trying to like grasp it at some sort of chance at like I said some normalcy that he wants with this new synthetic skin and and being Victor Stone and having a chance to be Victor Stone um but you know that doesn't necessarily mean like you can you can still be Victor Stone and still be the Doom Patrol and still be Cyborg but I don't know maybe you can't maybe maybe that's what the whole point of this is we got to find that middle ground you know yeah no I, I totally agree and it's being a superhero. I think what upsets them and I mean, Victor's friends, I think they're, when I speak about entitlement and privilege, it's like, these are still normal being normal human beings that have to survive the real world every day. And I mean, survive because they could die any day to just, the real world bullshit that's out there right especially and this dude got in a like near-death accident and came back to life and he's was a cyborg and now he's perfect with the new skin and everything so it's like dude you are invulnerable compared mm-hmm. to us like you are on a completely different level you know and when they say like oh what did you do as a superhero and he's like oh well i fought like 
cod piece or, you know, went to a, a crazy painting and I fought a candle maker and stuff like this. It, it backfires or it, it disconnects them further because they're saying, okay, well, you're a superhero. You could be helping people like us, even though like, regardless of if we are friends or not, there's real heroes out there who help those in need. And like the real people that are out there, um, you know, common, common dilemmas of, of Batman doing justice in Gotham city is like, are you beating up clowns or are you, saving the the impoverished yeah. and stuff like that are you yeah, really helping yeah, yeah. people or are you just getting your kicks <laughs> by punching people so you jumping off buildings or or are you like helping out with the infrastructure here because uh city's going to shite yeah absolutely so it's questions like that um that divide them divide them further uh so something he really has to to come to terms with on, on how he does it. I, I like when he says they kind of blow him off, which I, I didn't think was fair, but he was saying that he stopped a certain mugger or something. And he, he, he let him go and told him, yeah, to the like, kid from the last season. Yeah. Or uh, it wasn't season two or something like that. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Something like the sub shop. I don't know. Yes. And sandwiches. It, it's, <laughs> sandwiches. I remember sandwiches. the sandwiches. <laughs> I remember that stack of sandwiches. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, that's, that is a good thing for a superhero to do is, is to really turn someone's life around. Whether or not he did or not, I don't know, but I'm, I'm hoping he did. And that, to me, is a good superhero feat. Um, but barely stopping Codpiece, I don't know if that's so, so much of a, of a win in my book. So, yeah, it's stuff like that. It's, 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 it's how you're seen as a superhero that really turns people off. So, really I guess episode. so. Yeah, I mean, I, what do you? But what do you want to hear from a cyborg story? Don't you want to hear like what kind of monsters did you fight? I guess that's what you're expecting. But what you want to hear is, no, I was volunteering at this place, doing this and this such, helping out these guys. Oh, but what crazy fights has he been? It's like, yeah, I could tell you all about that, but like, that's, it didn't matter because this is, I, I get what you're saying, you know? Yeah. And that's the really real, what you're looking for. Right? For right? me personally, it's like the cyborg <laughs> stories of like, oh yeah, I found out where all that money that the Pentagon lost, they're actually using it to fund something on the black market and crazy cyborg. Yeah. Ads. Like, like me, there's fun using it to fund me. I'm the Pentagon, yeah. and then he transformed. Cyborg <laughs> so versus the Transformers, right? That crossover. Um, that'd be kind of nah. fun. That'd be kind of fun. It'd be interesting. I mean, they'd just be like, you know. But I, I, so I like what he does in uh, in Zack Snyder's Justice League, where he's, you know, how he's helping out the poor, and it's like that to me is like a heroic feat. Like that's a hero. That's because that's like when you're like this kid that's just like don't know what to do with. It. You don't just go off and run and fight monsters. No, you like go and if you want to be a good person and a hero and stuff, you go and and you be the good person and the hero and stuff. That Victor Stone was sticking up for everybody, you know, even his classmates yeah. and everything. There was that whole scene and yada, yada, yada. That's what we know Vic Stone to do. Vic Stone is a good person. It's just throw him in, in league with the Doom Patrol. You got to go on strange adventures, great, mm -hmm. great adventures. Which I was very surprised when, when I met these friends of his. I was expecting them 
it, the to Victor be football Stone, players? I, yeah, the Victor Stone I know is not is, robotics is, club. Not in the robotics club, which is cool. I like this spin. Makes sense. <laughs> it makes a lot of sense, and I and I very much welcome this change in in his background. Um, and it's a really cool group of kids. I or the grown ups now. Um, I like this venue that they're in. It feels very, very lived in, but it also feels very of of the times that he he grew up in, like this classic laser tag pizza place. Like to me, it's just like, oh, this is I like this. This is a very comic book hangout. It felt spot. like a sitcom set to me, and I loved it. Like it felt so closed. Like a closed yeah, stage, yeah, yeah. sound stage, and I was like, "Oh, I'm I'm digging this. This is very, I don't know. It felt very '90s, or very early 2000s esque to me. Yeah, um, just to see like that whole, even some of the camera shots, even some of, like the above camera it, shots yeah. of like the laser the tag was like this. That's from by. Boy Meets World. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the server walking like, by with the Pizzatron T-shirt. Yeah, and it felt and really was, like fun. There's the shot of the the reigning champion team at the laser tag mm-hmm. entrance or something. And it felt like uh something out of a uh, Disney channel originally. Yeah, like a Nickelodeon like. set was just like, it was like, yeah, that's where I imagine if you grew up, I don't know, that'd be cool. If someone was like, let's design like a cool hangout place where it's like, yeah, just make it like a Nickelodeon TV set. I'd be like, absolutely. I'd hang out there yeah. every single day. Yeah. I like that. I like the whole set. It was, it was a really good moment. Um, for Victor Stone in this episode. And he got, a, I mean, he got half of the episode to himself mm-hmm. and to his arc. So it was, it was a big part of the episode. Um, I think that's why they really uh, did that whole, he did a, he did a Instagram live stream. Um, I think last Friday. So I think that's kind of like a little, little peek behind the curtain of like, Hey, you're going to get a little bit more of Victor Stone. Hey, prepare to see more of this guy on your screen next week. You know? Yeah. It's like, absolutely. Yeah, hell yeah. Give me give me more. The more I think about it too, as I, I don't know if I'm willing to bet that this show will conclude and he will not have his technology back again, I don't think. Maybe it's baked in for him to have it later, but I have this feeling that we the viewers must also give up the ghost of 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 this technology cyborg and he too is trying to wrestle with with both worlds but i think we also need to meet both yeah for sure that's really what it is we need to separate and and do the whole like i don't know it's it's like if he was wearing a mask you'd be like okay you got to do the mask of the alter ego it's like yeah but it's deeper than that like you're not just saying okay he's the clark kenny's newspaper guy he rides a bike no it's like victor stone is a complete and very complex character that makes cyborg like there's a whole transformation that you have to go through yeah you get like the beginning of it in the first issue and it's like bang boom okay that's cyborg great cool but what what happened before he was that like he was a whole person so seeing this version of of cyborg seeing victor stone if doom patrol is doing that i am 
again, like still with the standing applause, like absolutely give us another side of what we need to see from this character. Separate Cyborg and Teen Titans and all of these other things and even Cyborg Justice League and all of that stuff. Separate this like big seven hero and make him human. And and I don't mean that in like a negative way, but like we have to empathize with our heroes. You know, we do have to find that common ground for us to realize that they are heroes and someone that we identify with and everything. And these struggles that Victor Stone goes through, it's insanely complex. You know, it doesn't just stop at okay, he got tech, now he's super computer man. Like, if or that's got how rid you... Of it and now he's normal. Yeah, like, if that's how you want to see it, then, just, I don't know, that sucks. That's, that's lame, you know? Like, Cyborg, remove the parts. Is he still Cyborg? That's the main question. Does he still want to be Cyborg? Probably, right? Yeah, I think that's what we're seeing, but is he still cyborg and you can't really answer that in a yes or no can you i don't know maybe we'll see at the end of the season but that seems very close-minded you know mm-hmm. that's like it's 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 like saying like oh wow well you don't have your powers you're not you're a not good the hero any- anymore yeah you're not the hero anymore it's like well, it's, hang on it's like yeah. didn't did you not that's like a spider-man 2 thing like <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like no, it's a whole you're right it's a whole big deal that these characters have to go through from us as a viewer seeing it and also as that character and how they build that on onto the hero. It's it's very true. It's 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 him. He's doing it to himself. The um the character his supporting characters are doing it as well and we the viewers are doing it because we 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 can't differ we can't we can't separate being a hero and being a good person and being a good person doesn't mean being normal it doesn't mean being a superhero it's something like you said it's complex so he is a human being he has to realize that being a human being is not being normal or having all your skin or you know being without the tech and heroes can be human and regular non-meta-human people can be human as well. Some of them are not. Some of them are just antisocial psychopaths. So (laughs) it's being in touch with their humanity. So it it really is like all three sides of us, perspectives, point of views, need to realize, you know, that he's trying to be a good person, but he thinks he can't be a good person without his technology. And he's, he's trying to, to forcibly show that he can be a, it's, I think it's really cool that like, he's actually trying to do these things to prove that instead of taking it at all these people's word of just like, well, what, you know, what did you do with cyborg? Well, now you can't because you don't have your tech, right? Like it's, it's always that that's like a super brick wall for him. I bet if someone is saying like, what happened to your powers? It's like, that, dang, <laughs> that's really what y'all you see, huh? And that's, that's, hey, sometimes it's true, but it's not what we're supposed to be looking at. It's not fair. It's really no, not it's fair. No, it's not. No, it when is When he had the not. technology, they were like, oh, you're not one of us. 
oh, you're a superhero. You got to go do superhero things. Now he's without it. Now they're like, why aren't you doing oh, superhero things? Why, you know, okay. <laughs> so you can't do anything now. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Can't win. I don't know. I don't Speaking know. Speaking of can't win. Yeah. The famous actress Rita Farr wallowing in that manner. But oh look, a flyer for Rita Farr, a retrospective. This one was, um, like I said, like we talked about, it was a really in- interesting concept. Um, it features two extremely deep cut Doom Patrol villains. Uh, I I don't think anyone is cheering as, you know, as much as, you know, Brotherhood of Evil is showing up or, you know, maybe even a villain of Coagula, Dorothy, etc., Danny the Street. It's not one of these things. We have two two villains from Doom Patrol comics that show up in today's episode that are um, the ones curating this this weird master plan, this heist, if you will, that's going on in, in today's episode. Um, the the main one would be Doctor Janice, which is played by uh, Temeka Seretti. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Temeka Seretti um, is Doctor Janice. We we see her at we see them at the very end of of the episode um, revealed. Uh, a really cool looking character in, in the episode design. I I love the split suit two tone suit that we that we see there. Um, very cool looking character. Um, it, it looks like it's revealed that this character um, is is working for Immortus or with Immortus, something to that degree. So there is a tangent a tangent to to the bigger apocalypse that is that is hinted at in this uh, season. But Doctor Janice comes from an Arnold uh, Drake. Yeah, make sure I say it correctly this time. Arnold Drake comic from Doom Patrol. Um, it's a one-off. I'm sure you can go look it up. It's the only one that has Dr. Janice in it. And that character in the past is is is, is a nobody character. I mean, it's a, talking... a, a Nazi story. Yes. and it, It's it, a it, Nazi it's, story. You know, it, it's your classic, oh, this villain can just do hallucinations or something like that. Like, there's <laughs> hey, no... sign me up. There's no... <laughs> there's, there's no depth. To 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 this character, um, so there's nothing significant about it, but it is it is great what the way that they're able to adapt the character, which is saying, hey, we can take that character and make it more interesting, which is what you do when you adapt comic books. You just adapt it for the modern times. You make it a, a whole lot better. So um, the adaptation of Doctor Janice is is really fantastic. I really like to see that character more in this season. But if you, I mean, if anyone's interested, it's just uh, My Greatest Adventure, Volume 1, Issue 81. So uh, nothing too fantastic there, just classic Doom Patrol stuff, deep cut villains. Um, and then we have another, I would argue this is an even more, I don't want to say more deep cut, but it's an even more confusing character in, in Doom Patrol's history. Um, and this one's Mr. 104, as, as he's named in, in today's episode. And um, his name in a issue of Doom Patrol and Suicide Squad, which was a crossover between Paul Kupperberg 
and John F. Ostrander, they co-wrote this crossover comic book with Doom Patrol and Suicide Squad. Um, but Mr. 104 was also introduced in an old Arnold Drake Doom Patrol as Mr. 103. And I, I'm guessing when they brought Mr. 103 over to the Suicide Squad crossover, they then called him Mr. 104, as in like, oh, they increased the number. Maybe I, there's different iterations of him. Well, uh, wouldn't it, isn't it in relation to the periodic table of elements? That's what the character says in today's episode. So like at the time, wasn't there only 103 elements named at That's what I'm confused about. (laughs) So Sendo uh, Ramamurti, he plays uh, Mr. 104 in today's episode. He says, yeah, he said, what? Jonathan Dubrovny. Mm Mm-hmm. It's the character's name, the fictional name. Yeah. What do you you mean? uh, He says that his name is Mr. 104 and... He had a line earlier, and it, it was about elements, um, and that was kind of like a uh-huh, little hat tip. I think when he was talking to Larry, uh, when they first met, he, he dropped a little elements tip, and it was like, oh, so you got elemental powers, okay. Yeah. So how does that play into it? I guess he can change his molecules to different elements of the periodic Just table. Like break, he, he can break them down to whatever, you know, you... you are created out of you know I don't know you just tur- hey turn turn them into water and then <laughs> and then not water. So he is he has alchemy powers, but it's it's scientific now. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't call himself an alchemist. He has to stick to science. So, but wh- that's what the, also- hey you know Isaac Newton had alchemy notes, and they were like no no no, no, no. you can't you can't do that just hide that hide that. What's interesting, though, about this character in the comic book iteration of of Mr. 104 is that um, what he did, like his crimes were robbing banks. So this genius biochemist is is robbing banks. And I I thought that was so funny. Well, I think it's funny that the villains (laughs) do that because it's such a extremely like golden age thing for supervillains to do like oh i'm robbing banks like we got to stop this guy he's a he's he's robbing banks like this is some let me original watchman's type if of you stuff will, Minutemen. there was a man named sam raimi and he said i'm gonna do spider-man too and i'm gonna get doc ock to rob a bank rob a bank yes it's but very there was classic. a whole bigger thing to that you know there's a whole plan in play normally in golden age you just had to rob the bank. You just got. You just had to get the. Hey, you gotta get the money. You know. And you have to make sure it's in a bag. Yeah. So when the villain grabs it, big old it, dollar like, sign on it. Yeah, big dollar signs like grabbing bags of money. Just a sack. Gold full of coins. Money. They have to be gold coins. Um, it's stuff like that. That's it's. When I read that Mister One Hundred Four, he would he would rob banks in Midway City. I was thinking like, that's that is what was happening in season opener for this season where they were trying to stop codpiece who was robbing a bank like that's all he does is rob banks and it's like yeah that's so classic no one is really doing this except sam raimi did it but yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's uh, it's fun to think about in like this this is where i let my imagination just run amok and absolute just destroy me in my daydreams right so like this whole world Jesus. which 
<laughs> put yourself <laughs> into the world of a metahuman, right? Or just in the yeah. world where metahumans exist and you are just the normal person. Like bank heists have to be happening so often. Like at, there's it this is it's a statistic, you know, like and it's increased. Like every hour there's at least like three. And that's probably lowballing it at any given time. It's like, yeah, at the exact moment too, you know? And you just like have all these people going off and just doing it. It's like, do you remember in Justice League Unlimited when they started to <laughs> they started to make it like a job and people had shifts? I fucking yeah. loved, I love that shit. You had Justice League members on shifts because it's like, yeah, like I gotta go to work. <laughs> I, <gotta> go to <laughs> work. <laughs> I have to clock in, and the boom tube in, and the amount of time. So it's like maybe you have an eight hour day, probably ten hours because it's a Justice League, right? They're burning at both candle both ends. And like the amount of like bank robberies that they have to stop in that in just one shift, that's their nine to five. <laughs> like think about these people. Vigilante and these guys that are kinda on the low end, right? Even Sp- Blue Beetle. Like what's he doing? Stopping bank robberies. On like at four thirty, yeah, give it like a couple more minutes, and like you'll hear the alarm. Just like trust me. And it's like they probably get like commission on the back end, you know, from these things. I mean, commission. I mean, at the same time, they're causing more damage than than. Oh yeah, than, more harm than good. Because I mean, the banks are insured. You'd hope. I mean, You'd hope you that's just, a, that, say, there hey. was a. I think there was a whole. Wasn't there a failed TV show that was like the insurance companies f- for superhero people? Oh yes, yeah, was, Powerless. Was it the show Powerless? was called Powerless. Power. Yeah, I think it was called something like that. Okay. Alan Tudyk was in it at the same time. He's in everything. Yeah, Doom Patrol season one aired as well. Really? Yeah, he was in both at the same time. Wow, it feels like it was such a long time ago for me. Yeah, it didn't last long. Um, that's something fun to think about. I don't think obviously they obviously more people share my enjoyment of those kind of bureaucratic dealings in metahuman world but the general public yeah but you're not talking about less, right? human beings working in, in insurance companies or or even the the daily planet you're talking about blue beetle has to, has yeah, to i'm talking about that. the shifts of the justice league that is one of my favorite things ever i want to see who's clocking in at what time like <laughs> not to mention and who's people. giving away shifts like people gotta be like p- tossing them out and picking them up nope. like dog's birthday no yeah exactly like black canary has to be like a good person be like okay i'll pick up the ship like and then on the other hand he's gotta be like what else are you doing <laughs> you yeah, don't have a life schedule. you're a superhero yeah and then that would mean batman would have to schedule time away from gotham which now hang like- on we bat is batman's a part-timer in that show so like that's a whole completely different bear like he's on his he's own a part-timer that's so he's a part-timer and it's not even a, it's like but that's it's more like, like a seasonal guy too. It's like that's like, like when you more get like your contract work. It's like when you get your manager to to work a shift with you because no one else showed up. It's like that because I mean he's bankrolling the whole tower. Yeah. So you, if you see him there, it's like oh, oh I'm working with the manager today. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna suck, right? Yeah. Dang. And then. Pff- <laughs> What if you? What if you're? What if you're a hero that could like fly, and then you have to work with Batman, and you like ha- already know that one, you're either having to ride in a Batwing, or 
like find your own transportation kind of thing. Or like you've got to meet them there. I'll meet you there, B-Man. Like I'm going to fly and you're going to be in your rocket ship, mm-hmm. you know. You know, there's always episodes. Oh, we got to go to space. We got to make sure we have a lantern. Lantern has to carry him. Something like that. Everyone get in this bubble. That's That was really cool though, right? Bubble yeah. and like platform. It's like, okay, we're just Sticky going with up. Everybody, us. man. What a concept. What a concept. <laughs> I love it's these just playing things. with action figures. I, like, I was thinking about it the other day, but it's like, I wonder if they just have those action figures on a table and they're just like looking just, at them. And they're posing. just like, so what if these two and then this one comes in and they just, that's how they outline things, right? When they write and. If that is how these people are are making big bucks then i 100 percent missed my calling and should have been writing down my imagination stuff playing with my toys when i was younger like it's exactly what i did just (laughs) 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 fucking adding in legos to it shit that was like a whole crossover universe that you couldn't even fathom when we were kids now now it's everywhere so, getting back to the episode. Sorry yeah. for that long tangent, guys. But this episode, so, long story short, Madame Rouge tries very hard to be a good person. Emphasis on tries to be a good person. It, it, it's a com- comes down to a complete meltdown with her. Um, it's, it's a fantastic, again, another fantastic performance um, and uh, by Michelle Gomez. And uh, Laura DeMille really, I guess, shows her colors as as really wanting to be a good person. But then, you know, she has like this little voice in her head that says, maybe I'm just not a good person. It's something that you and I have talked about before in the previous two episodes that we just covered. And I, I again, I really like the performance. Does it shed more light on on the reality of her character? I think it shows that she really is the antithesis to Rita Farr, where she's trying to be a better person, and Rita Farr thinks that she wants to be a better person, or that she's still having this... They're both having, like, an identity crisis, right? And yet they're both mad at each other. Um, One sees the other one as a villain, and there's, there's a parallel there. So maybe I'm maybe it's wrong of me to accuse Laura DeMille of having these uh, underlying evil intentions. I I felt bad, but at the same time, in the beginning of the episode, I was feeling like she was up to something. Like I couldn't trust her at first, and then once I saw the breakdown, I was feeling like, have I been too hard on her, or is there something about to snap that I'm not seeing? I it mean, was a tough one. It's, it's either way, I love her to death. You know, <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so yeah. she, her having the breakdown um, and the realization that um, you need to make amends with Rita. Um, it's like why I don't know why it's such work. I don't know why 
like I understand just wanting to say sorry and you know move on but you can't and everything and wanting to make up for it and all of this stuff um I think we're right with there's there's obviously something that is stopping her from just going 100% and doing these things like trusting each other and and going and and not thinking about and going and save Rita without a, having a plan and just going to be there for her kind of thing. Um, so I think you're right in thinking that there's another side that's obviously stopping her from that want. I mean, even when shit hits the fan and the Doom Patrol start getting, uh, you know, smoked into the movies, if you will, um, she dipsets, like, I'm out, you know? That's like, oh, I, but... I'm not mad at you for that. I kind of like see it in that same sense that uh, uh, Jack Sparrow kind of <laughs> did the yeah, whole, you know, like run away so you can fight another day kind of thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, that that's that's smart. It's like you got to understand what kind of situation you're in. Um, so, yeah. but I do see the want to be this leader um, because other people want you to be this leader. Uh, obviously they see something good in you. It's kind of not true because they're just like, no, we just needed the hard ass. Like we don't, we don't really care about you. We just need someone that wasn't Rita playing, you know, stage play, you know, doing, doing the whole, that whole thing, reliving your days of glory on, on, on the stage. This isn't, this isn't that we needed, you know, if we're going to be a superhero team, we need to be a superhero team. Um, but I don't necessarily think that's what Laura DeMille, uh, wants. I don't really know what she wants, to be honest with you. I don't know why she feels this great need, uh, to make amends with Rita. I understand wanting to make amends with people, but why does Laura DeMille do that? Uh, because she feels bad for, uh, killing that guy. I feel like there needs to be, I'm kind of like waiting to see the ulterior motive, you know? Um, but I just don't know what that is. Maybe it is just a, a major fuck you to Niles Calder. Like, you know, beyond the grave, like I can do this. I can be better. I think it's really cool Maybe. that she, like one of Laura's, one one thing that she does is like go back to these files and go back to all the metahuman files and like figure out who you are and, and what these people do and yada, yada. That's, that's really cool to me. Like they're not like looking it up on the internet. It's like, no, we were on like the darker side. We were with this Bureau of normalcy kind of thing. We were like capturing you people and, and documenting all these metahumans t for this purpose. <laughs> like, I, I think that's kind of like secret mastermind scary side. Um, so it's really cool to see, like, again, those were, like, characteristics that you saw in Niles Calder. So seeing that again in this team leader is very cool. It's just great to see. And with more structure, I feel. Niles was all secretive, you know? At least with Laura, we see her trying to connect these pieces and figure out what her place is with these, you know, group of vagabonds. Like, that's, that's fun. Niles was like, yeah, he had everything planned out. That sketch, 
yo. Like, yeah, that's not cool. You're not supposed to keep these secrets. Like, Laura, you're probably going to have secrets, but like, it's more so in like that mastermind Loki kind of way where it's like, oh, yeah, I knew this and this was going to happen. So I have contingency plans for this, this and this. And oops, maybe it's not, you know, in everybody's best intentions, but it got the job done. Yeah, that's exactly what Niles uh, approach to everything was. And it could be that Laura DeMille doesn't want to fall in the same category as Niles Calder because she kind of is in that same boat. And so she wants to be a leader that's not Niles Calder. She wants to do things better. She feels like there's an inherent evil that has led her to to make some of the, some of the decisions that she's made. And she regrets that. She's fighting against it. I think maybe it's a little bit similar to Victor Stone where she's trying to see if if she can be an ultimate good person, but maybe that's not the way to go about things. Maybe it's trying too hard in the wrong direction. Maybe it's a little too extreme. And so there is this radical effort by her, and maybe it's a little too much. but. Regardless, the execution is is entertaining for the for the episode, um, but it's it's interesting to see the way this character wrestle with her actions as she's making it within the same episode. It's 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 very interesting to see this kind of character um, kind of confront these demons um, and and ultimately almost get the Doom Patrol killed and 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 you know, bailing on the situation. It's, it's, there's a lot of, it's like everything she tries to do, it ends up generating a red flag. And it, it's, it's that, that kind of keeps the character interesting because you're not quite sure if the character is going to make it psychologically. And I think that is what makes Doom Patrol comics really good is that when you're reading them, you can see the psychological terror that they're going through, not just the trauma of their past, but again, the future, and 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 trying to avoid making those same mistakes again. So Yeah, and that often that using that trauma to help them in whatever given situation that they're in, and, you know, that's even more reminder of the trauma itself, and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I... I yeah, one thing has, that I really has, did enjoy. It has a tendency to be cyclical. Yeah. yeah, and that's really the beauty of Doom Patrol is because you can see these people unraveling and yet staying together. And that's like, oh, that's really cool because it's not always a happy ending. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, but still, like, you know, they're all still here. <laughs> it's Which, it, it just works out. I love... I love the interaction that she has with Larry Trainer, and I really like how his arc starts in this episode where he's cooking, he's making pancakes, and they're like burnt to shit. And it's a really nice, excuse me, callback to the Larry Trainer that we used to know in Doom Patrol, where Who he was a really fantastic good. cook. Yeah, he was a fantastic cook in the house. That's all. That's what he did in the Doom Manor when it was just him and Rita. He made the food, she ate the food. Uh, and 
we can see here he's so troubled that the food is just complete shit. Um, and it's just pancakes and they're burnt and it's just one pancake at a time. So what's really going on here? How you fuck up more than one pancake? You're allowed to fuck up the first pancake that those are the rules of making pancakes. The first one's always going to be a fuck up. Either it's cooking way too slow or it's cooking way too hot. That's fine. If you're burning the whole stack, just go to Waffle House. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> um, this this is some really good, really good performance by Matt Bomber in this episode. Honestly, um, yeah, just the inflection of the voice and and the line reads were like, oh wow, you. I don't know. It's it's really selling it for me uh, with yeah. this one. Yeah, I like how. What I was gonna say was I like how Laura DeMille comes in, trying to be a leader and give advice. And he just instantly dishes it back. Like he's not having it. He's not in a good mood. He doesn't want anything to do with the Doom Patrol. I mean, he just had a, a falling out with, with Rita. But now it's like he wants to be left alone. He he can shoot it straight back at her on what she needs to do to improve her life. And I, I really love the energy that Larry Trainer has in this episode or lack of energy that he has in this episode. Um until he shows up for for the movie festival, which I really loved that turnaround. It was one fantastic. of my favorite. One of my favorite things that Negative Man has done in this was just like the absolute adoration that this man has for Rita Farr movies. It's just like he is the number one fan, and it is it's excellent. Like him in the movie theater was like that's it. You're man. This guy went to go see a Rita Farr movie in a the theater. Like he was so excited, like bouncing down the stairs. Like yeah, hey, no, this is this. It's like oh. I loved it. I yeah. really did love it. They handed him popcorn. He can't eat it. <laughs> oh, it's it's fantastic. I love it. It feels like a comic book. Like I can see the panels of Negative Man. As if someone who didn't know Doom Patrol was, and they saw this Negative Man character sitting in a movie theater talking about like his love for these classic movies. Like I can totally see it and be like, these are comic book panels that we're seeing yeah. here. There's sometimes so. like it really you, you gotta remind yourself like this guy is like an old he's an old guy <laughs> mm-hmm. he knows the he knows his shit and he's been around for a while and what's he really been doing just like hanging out and watching Rita Farr movies like with Rita Farr that's that's excellent yeah that's that reminds me a lot of the beginning of this show the Larry Trainer that we that we knew in in the in the beginning pilot. And even in, in, in the Titans uh, crossover episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was a really good. Um, just it's great scene when they all just like fit in with each other. They're all just, they just went to the movies. Like, that's what I want to see. I want to see the Doom Patrol go to the movies. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen something like this really since, um, since Puppet Patrol, which would have been yeah. you know, episode three of season one. So literally three seasons ago. Um, I want to kick it over to Crazy Jane. It'll probably be our last talking point, just because I feel like Cliff Steele played a big, just supporting character throughout this episode. He didn't have like his own kind of arc. He did have a Descendant shirt on, though. He did have a Descendant shirt on. Yes. Have we? Has he worn the Descendant shirt he's, before? He's worn that shirt before. I think oh, he okay. wore that in one of one of the more notable season one episodes. Because I remember I was looking at his shirt and thinking, oh, he's worn that shirt before. So he's got one black shirt for every day of the week. 
Probably. Or was it the white descendant shirt with the, you know, just the inner? No, he's wearing this one. Okay. We've seen him wear. So I was trying to figure out Crazy Jane. So that was going to be my talking point. And, and okay. there's a lot to talk about with Crazy Jane. Um, I was trying to figure out her shirt. I don't know if you you caught notice of it or it, it was kind of, I was doing the same thing I do with, with Robot Man, which is like, hey, cool shirt. What is the shirt? I was trying to look it up. I was trying to see if there was meaning. It's um, two mouths kissing, two people kissing. Can't tell who exactly. But it's a photograph of, of, of a, a close shot of kissing, French kissing. And then it just has, right underneath it in lowercase, it just has the quote, more. And that, that's it. And it, it is very romantic. It's very cool. It's very hip. I love it. I think it's a cool shirt. I don't know where it is, who it's from, if it's a band, if it's an artist or what. But uh, I thought it was a really nice shirt. The outfit was great. It's fantastic. I, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. It reminded me of that um that optical illusion thing where it's like you either see the two faces or the vase. Two faces <laughs> or the or the or the face. Yeah. You know, that's what I th- kind of thought at first. Um, it wasn't until you just said uh, the lips for me to scroll yeah. back in the episode and actually see it. It took me a while because at first I was like, oh, is this a band shirt? So I, I was looking in. I could see only the letters. So I tried Googling this image and stuff like that. I couldn't come up with it. If anyone knows, it'd be cool to know because if it's like a band or something, I'd like to know what it is because I think it's cool. And if that shirt's out there, I want to know who it's by and why that's someone chose the shirt. That's something we always got to remember. When shirts like this, someone who works on the show was like, wear this shirt. Maybe Diane, maybe someone else. But they were like, this shirt is cool. Put this on. You look awesome. Go out there. You're going to be on camera. Mm -hmm. Like That to me is like, okay, so that shirt has meaning. Anyways, cool episode. So Crazy Jane, um, she's trying to find her own purpose. I think what we realize is that um, just like we talked about with Cyborg or Victor Stone is, is, is trying to separate himself from Cyborg. Kate Chalice is trying to tell Crazy Jane, like, be your own person, go out there and, and be your own person, which is something we talked about. We, we've talked a little bit about it throughout each episode or throughout each season when we've talked about what is the end for Jane. I feel like we can, we can see the finality of one character with Victor Stone we've always talked about crazy Jane and and what the end of her arc looks like because crazy Jane is one of the only characters in doom patrol history that has had a definitive end, especially when Grant Morrison ended his run and then Rachel Pollock took over crazy Jane was her conclusion was also Grant Morrison's conclusion. He ended his run by ending her run. And I don't think it's going to be that, um, depressing for this show how they end crazy jane i think it's going to actually be an uplifting ending but i'm always curious because it always looks like they're aiming for the finish line with crazy jane and each season it looks like it she's getting she's making progress and in last season she's began a relationship with shelly byron um not like a romantic relationship but just there's been a connection made between the two two characters. Um, and so now there's this evi- there's this quest by Kay that says, hey, go be your own person. 
that furthers the notion like, okay, what is the finish line looking like for Crazy Jane? Um, and we also saw the origin of Crazy Jane in last season as well. What erupted for such a persona to exist? And there's a lot of evidence there, or a lot of clues, I should say. That is really interesting when we come here to this moment, this scene, um, is the start of that. It's like her trying to figure out what is it like to, to be your own person, um, and to let K be K. Um, that again, I mean, we go back to identity crisis. Um, and that to consider it, it, I, I really like it. I really like playing around with, with that idea for, for this character. Um, so it was really cool seeing that. It's, it's nice to see the puzzle pieces are, are now a, a thing again in this in this show with her trying to put these puzzle pieces together, literally putting these puzzle pieces together. I, I love that uh, symbolism there. I mm-hmm. love the iconography of Crazy Jane holding puzzle pieces. I really love shots like that because that is really how I like to, to envision this character, and I love to see it adapted that way. Um, and yeah, I mean, and, and that puzzle does kind of correlate to the character herself. And it's like, oh, so like you, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like the slot cars with, uh, with Cliff and yes. it's kind of like key with Larry and all these other things. It's like, you have this identifier with these characters that, uh, that's like the idea of what you're, what you're going for, um, and yeah, this pile of puzzle pieces that are different sizes and don't make sense and no corner pieces. And there is no rhyme or reason to these pile of puzzle pieces, but it, this puzzle has to get built, doesn't it? Like it's no one's not mm-hmm. going to build, you know, the puzzle's got to get built. You got to put the pieces together. So figure out what those pieces are. It's really cool that the character, Crazy Jane, Jane is finding herself and sifting through these puzzle pieces and if it's going to go with like one piece at a time that is something that is incredibly deep in my opinion like the fact that when she first started to pour out the puzzle pieces and it was like never ending kind of thing it was like dang how this is i didn't know this bag was that big and it's like yeah no you're you're right those pieces are kind of like if you thought about it those pieces probably couldn't you know wouldn't stop pouring out um but obviously it did and uh yeah seeing the growth of this character um i think it's like what k wants to grow into it's like jane is you know she she knows that she has it all figured out or at least can figure it all out so it's like that's your inspiration right there that's who you want to grow up to be right you want to grow up to be like jane so how do i do that teach me how to do that grow up like figure it out go be jane because i want to know what it's like to be jane i don't need to know what it's like to be protecting myself you know in my own little nostalgic grandma's house you know you know what i mean it's like i need to go and live life and the best way to do that is through jane jane gets it jane was created to get it like you're the persona that's that's you (laughs) i don't know yeah no, you're the I like avatar. <laughs> I like it a lot. I like, you know, that idea. It just go be yourself because I'm trying to see that too. I, I yeah, I, Kay is speaking to go see that. So, completely agree. I think that's I a mean, fantastic Kay is way to Jane, look at it. so it's like 
you get it, right? Yes. You get no, it, I... right? <laughs> it's the audience. You get it, right? <laughs> we are trying to figure out our own puzzles here. Mm-hmm. And it's painful. It is going to be painstaking. And I think that's the problem that people don't want to deal with is that trying to figure it out, trying to figure out who you are and who you want to be and what makes you happy is going to be painful. It's not going to be fun to figure out what makes you happy, which sounds painful. Just sounds like not a good time. So why even do it? Why even be happy? It's too much work. Uh, yeah, yeah. My cousin like ended up, you know, backpacking across North America to f- find himself, and it's like I don't want to. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Did he write That's... Call of the Wild? Yeah, no, it wasn't that intense. <laughs> It wasn't. It wasn't that intense. He came back um, home. He's like, "Yeah, it wasn't the best investment." He came back and ended up in Big Sur, California, hoity-toity. Mm. Good for him. Love there him was death. something I was going to ask you about the music in in her room. So yes, last time we heard her playing music, it was My Chemical Romance. Um, this time, I that couldn't. Another, idea I'm sorry, song. you just said it. That literally just it just appeared in my head. That's what the shirt reminded me of. Um, uh, three cheers for sweet revenge. Like it, I don't know why the oh, two lips kiss. Yes. That's like that was my initial thought of what that shirt. And I was like, oh, that's kind of reminds me of my Chemical Romance. But I didn't say anything. I felt embarrassed. I didn't want to sound like a <laughs> fool. Yeah. <laughs> well, last time she's listening to Demon Days, right? She's she's uh, Demon Days. Kiss no. from yesterday. Yes. What is the album called? Um. Oh God, Demon nah, Days nah, is nah, Gorillas, nah, nah, right? Nah, nah. Yeah. Oh, uh, what's the what is that album called? Danger Days. Danger Days. The Killjoys, the fabulous life of the Killjoys. Yes. Or whatever the comic was and all that jazz. Okay, I knew I was mislabeling Demon that Days. album. This one, so she's putting on this music. It's awesome. It's a punk song. It's in Spanish, and the subtitles say Spanish music playing. It doesn't ID it like when it ID'd pictures of you by The Cure or or Danger Days, The Kids from Yesterday by My Chemical Romance. This one just says Spanish music playing. Now, I'm not one to get like offended by these things, but I'm also like, could you not ID the song? Like, is it that hard that we had to put Spanish music playing? It just kind of goes back to like who's doing the subtitles and i know that it's like a voice to text but i know that there was also like the 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 dialogue had to get transcribed and i know it's on a script somewhere it's written down but where are you pulling the dialogue for the closed captions from like and why doesn't it match up with what you should no you know what i mean so like things like this like why wasn't that song actually labeled is it because it's a la- uh, a licensing issue? If you like, is that more money that you have to pay? Well, it's not if you like just, you would if you see, play like... this if you play the track and then I don't know, like, <laughs> and then well, well, then where does it stop? With no, because sometimes it'll be like uh, you'll never you know, see Freebird playing, and it's like in yeah, English music playing. Like you don't see you don't see such a subtitle. English music. I get playing. I get what you mean. So like why what so what if I put what if you put Spanish subtitles on? They only have English. Do they? Yeah, it's only English. I'm pretty sure it was only English. 
Oh my god, you're right. They only have English subtitles. What crap? I guess you have to wait for later, and then they got Spanish or something. Well, what if but like it's... I signed up for like HBO and Espanol? Is that like is that a, do you ha- is there Spanish? HBO? But then again, what stops them from just running it through the translator, and then it would say like subtitles in Espanol? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, That's or, what. Like... So like I've I've made subtitles before myself. I know one route of how to go about it and my main question is like okay there's got to be like a better way to go about it and with people that have more uh, things at their disposal (laughs) they can make subtitles better and everything like that but like mine are coming from the actual transcribed dialogue like I know that it's coming from the actual transcribed dialogue because I made the subtitles from the actual transcribed dialogue are other people doing that same thing? And if they're not, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and why can't I get away with doing things like that? Yeah, I just ID the song is all I'm saying. Like you see yeah. it there, you can ID it. Just you would ID any any American song. You know, it's. I'm afraid, like if there was Spanish subtitles, it would just say something like "Musica de Español." jugando or something like just it would just say the same thing punk, spanish punk music, music and espanol and then it just would be like a spanish person reading that would just be like it says spanish music playing in spanish like in spanish and it's so weird it's just like i don't know uh, yeah i'm gonna get off the soapbox it's just id the id the fucking song come on <laughs> give credit what song is playing nathan do you have that yeah this song is uh now i'm going to botch this because I didn't take Spanish, and I apologize. Uh, this song is Porque Sigur. Porque Sigur, if, if that's... I'm, I may be saying that mi- incorrectly, and I apologize. Um, but the band is Feuca. F-A-Y-U-C-A. Feuca. Um, if you give me a moment, I could try to, to transcribe what the song title means, because you know what? Uh, I don't know what that means. Spell the band's uh, name again one more time. F A Y U C A. Hmm. Okay. I like it. I'll have to look it up. It wasn't so hard, was it? <laughs> no, but if you want, that's uh, uh, apparently the English translation is uh, why continue or why go on? which is kind of a fitting song to start playing for Crazy Jane as she's feeling very depressed laying in her bed with, you know, putting on these headphones and playing that record. And what is the point of life? What is purpose? That's exactly what she was saying. Like, what, what the fuck is that? Like, where, what do you mean? What does that mean? Um, pretty, pretty good needle drop, if you ask me. Yeah. No, it, it's things like this that they are... I don't want to say Easter eggs, but they are clues. You know, they they add to the moment. You know, it's not just music. It's not just Spanish music playing. It's just like if you were to put Freebird or Fuck Like a Beast like they did in the other episode. When you hear those music in English, like when you hear music in English, like, you associate the lyrics to what's going on in the episode and you go, oh, this makes sense. This adds to it tonally. This adds to it tonally when you understand what's going on with it. Even if you don't understand Spanish, I think just 
taking the time would be a great thing to do. So I, I, I just consider an overlook by someone. So, uh, Nate, you should do subtitles for, for HBO Max. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, I'm available. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I have for this one, Nate. I don't know if you have anything else you'd like to add. Do you have anything else you'd like to share about today's episode? Um, the, the end of this episode is kind of like a really cool, really cool segue, um, into this whole, uh, General Immortus storyline, I think. Um, these, you got his, I, I, what I can gather are two Immortus, uh, cronies, if you will, just, you know, (laughs) trying to, uh, gather up all the horcruxes or whatever the hell you can to, to try to, you know, get, uh, make this guy rise again. It's the whole prophecy, right? Um, so they were collecting Rita's emotions. Emotions. Emotion. Rita's like the most emotive person. That's what we learned from this episode, right? You know, that's what Larry says. She wakes up and she emotes. That's, that's perfect, right? It's like she's a living, breathing, just thespian. diva. Yeah, thespian diva. That's just perfect for this, right? Um, which makes you think, like, is Rita Farr, like, the the most emotionally uh, compiled human being on the planet? Like, that's, like, <laughs> that's what that this necklace is, like, pulling out from her. It's, right? And she wasn't, like, devout of emotion, at least, from what we can tell. Hope, hopefully that's not it. Maybe it was just, like, I just need a little, I just need a squirt, you know? Just give me a little bit of little bit of your emotions to just put in the little bubble bubble toil and trouble and some big old emphasis on old man is gonna like you know appear and be general immortist i think it's really cool um do you think they're looking for pieces of the other members no i don't think it's 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 a member piece. i think it's like you're kind of i think it's like a ritualistic kind of thing like you gotta you gotta build this immortal guy up like a voldemort type deal I said Horcrux is hoping that, that would kind of be a catch-all. I'm thinking of it more like a Voltron, where they got different pieces of him. It's robots. Yeah. This is magic. We're talking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking like, so what if he's like uh, Belial? You know, like he's a devil creature, but he's like separated, right? He's like dismembered. But they're yeah. like they need the emotional part, and they need the sense of touch, and that's still if- magic. That's not Voltron. I'm, I'm. I get it. I think Imagery that I think we're on the same pieces. we're on the same page. We're on the same yeah. page, but um uh, I don't know. Maybe they have to put that necklace, you know, maybe he's going to be brandishing that very like, purple. <clears throat> uh, I guess that would be my question. Is that the only piece they need or do they need more pieces of different things? They need the heart of the ocean and it was lost in the sea <laughs> and they got to go get it. That's what that necklace reminded me of, didn't it? Did it not? <laughs> a heart of oh, I mean, the yeah. ocean. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, no, but that was pretty much all I had. That was a it was a really cool ending scene. Um the sci-fi movie flick. Sci-fi movie uh, set the, was awesome. It was just, it was again, great. The failed Star Trek project. Like and fantastic. again, Larry bringing it up like knowing exactly what it was and like having to remind her I was like yeah it was her first box office failure it's like thank you I thank you for that (laughs) like they're best friends 
I love it. And he supports her. That's the biggest thing. He supported her as an actress. And it's like, yeah, you're silver screen, Rita Farr. I love you. That is just wholesome as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I I think they're upset at the moment, but when it comes down to it, maybe, you know, they'll be there for each other. So, um, through and through. Looking forward to next week's episode. I, I think it will be an even more standalone episode than today was. Um, we'll see if that theory is true, but I am looking forward to it. If you guys haven't seen it, please check out the promo for the next episode. Um, without further ado, DJ, please take it away. Lorna DeMille is one bad mamma jamma, and I'm not talking Carlton. Looks like the Brotherhood of Evil just became the Sisterhood of One Evil Woman. Now we're talking ELO. That's it for today's broadcast. We'll catch you next time here on Doom Patrol Radio. 